0: Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of adulting.tv. I'm Miranda Markwit, and I am here with Harlan Landis. How are you doing today, Harlan?
0: I'm doing well. How are you, Miranda?
1: I'm doing great. great. Um, yeah, this is also really fun because a couple times a year we get to record in the same room with each other. Yeah, once in a while. Yeah, and then we sometimes do it, stream it live on Facebook. So hi, hi Facebook. Hi, Facebook. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. That's adulting, the, the page adulting on Facebook. And when we do this, you can be get a little notification and be su- pleasantly surprised to see us record.
0: If we're capable, we will look. <laughs> I knocked my internet out, so I don't know what happened. But anyway, we, maybe you'll be able to look, Miranda, and see if anybody's leaving us any comments and has any questions as we're going about and recording our podcast, since you are watching the recording live. And today we're talking about student loans. And I know I had quite a bit of student loans when I graduated college, and then I struggled to pay them off. I was working for a non Then I decided to stop working for the nonprofit, and then I started getting a graduate degree and I added to my student loan debt a little bit. Although my company was paying for my master's degree, I did get a student loan anyway, kind of stupidly because I was uh, encouraged to by the school and cash flow was an issue. So I didn't always use the reimbursement to pay back my student loans, which was stupid. But I'm sure we'll cover situations like that as we go ahead and talk about our podcast today.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I I did too. I mean, like you, I mean, you're pretty much encouraged to just go ahead and get that debt and and just do it all, take the max amount and and I had a scholarship. I had a full I had a full tuition scholarship. I had a part-time job. I mean, I had a lot of things. There was no reason for me to take out nearly as much as I did, but I did anyway. And we're not alone. The latest numbers from the Federal Reserve indicate that there are $1.4 trillion. That's a trillion. That's with a T in student loan debt outstanding right now. And 44 million borrowers are affected. And if you work that out and somebody else did the math, student loan hero did the math, and they said that that amounts to about $351 a month on average for the borrower aged 20 to 30 years. So we're not alone with our student debt stories. We have millions of people who are with us.
0: Yeah, and this is a real burden for people getting out of college. With it being difficult enough to get a job that pays for rent if you're living outside of your parents' home, then you've gotta deal with this student loan payment and you don't wanna go into default on this. You just don't want to. It puts a real burden on being able to live life as an adult and take the next steps that you like to take that you know your parents took, whether it's buying a house or getting married, starting a family. All these things cost money, and the debt burden for student loans is just so big that it makes it really difficult to take some of those steps, and so we're delayed. We delay our lives, and that's that's okay, too. I mean, we don't have to do things exactly the same way our parents have done them, but... It certainly doesn't help because it makes us feel like we're not progressing uh, at the same speed that, you know, perhaps our parents are pressuring us to progress at.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I I think, too, the the other thing we forget is, you know, tuition and fees have been rising at an astronomical rate 226% since 1995. So between 1995 and 2015, the out-of-state tuition and fees at public universities rose 226%. So that's that's a huge increase, but at the same time, wages have stagnated. You know, you hear all the time about you know our parents and, and and grandparents going, "Oh, hey, when I was when I was going through college, I worked my way through. I you know worked all summer and then I could pay for college." Well, that's just not possible. Like it is it is physically impossible for your summer job to pay for an entire year of schooling anymore. And uh, with the wage stagnation and the skyrocketing cost of student loans. That kind of puts you in a rough position as far as paying your student loans back.
0: Yeah, and, th- and there's there's a tendency for millennials to to be blamed for the situation that they that they are in in terms of their lack of progress financially. But a lot of these burdens just didn't exist back then, or or, or you know, in previous generations, it, w- it wasn't the same. It wasn't it wasn't at the same scale that we that people graduating college had to had to deal with of course college is a huge uh, there, there's been so many changes in what a college education means first of all it used to be that not everybody pursued a college education although it certainly was the easiest uh, well not the easiest but the the most direct path towards middle class back then but now we have a huge middle class that doesn't need that gateway but still they need the college degree in order to qualify for a lot of the best jobs at that age although as we've explored previously it certainly isn't necessary it does help quite a bit it still puts you in a better position than someone without a college degree at the same age with the same level of experience but we have to understand that the reason that recent college graduates are having trouble is not due to th- mistakes that they've made or choices that they've made you know even though the choice to go to college and be in debt is certainly a choice that they made the the system has been set up for them by those who have come before it and it is not an easy it is not an easy system and it's not easy to get around it
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I think one one thing we do have we do have a comment here on the Facebook page from Sherry Ann, and she says, uh, "College is such big business. Its role in our society has changed dramatically, and so that's sometimes something we forget a little bit is that college really has turned into a big business. And on top of that, you know, uh, Mike Wilkerson, Mike is also here on our Facebook page, and he points out that." you owe us money. Pay us or we'll ruin your credit is something that a college loan hunt team doesn't usually come up with. And so we don't really think about it. But um, even though he makes that good point, it's interesting that he makes that point because the, the federal government will eventually come after you and they can garnish your wages. They can withhold your tax refunds and they can prevent you from other jobs that, might be, uh, that you might want to do. So there are some consequences there. And private lenders are actually starting to come after you. There was just a story in the New York Times about a bunch of people being sued by college lenders.
0: Private lenders, I I always try to suggest that people stay away from private lenders as much as possible. And part of the issue here is that the education of the student who's taking out the loan, whose responsibility is it for the students to fully understand what they're getting themselves into when they take out this loan? The Society has set this up so that it's just... A given that we go to college and we get a loan and yes the loan services will make the student read information and they'll even uh, sit through a class perhaps that is supposed to educate the student on what the responsibility of this loan actually means but it's not an effective way and we know that a lot of students take on these loans without understanding what exactly the responsibilities are. And I think it's a two sided responsibility we can't just put it a hundred percent on the students because it's a consumer type of industry, and it's the same thing the The education that we get as consumers is only as good as the you know the things that aren't being hidden from us you know we have uh the uh, c f p b has tried to help and make all of this information a lot more clear uh so people can have a better understanding of what they are getting into when they get into it, but it still doesn't get through to everybody it needs to get through to. And I think that's uh, that's a real problem when it comes to just just being faced with the realities of the student loan once you've graduated. You know, a lot of people claim, well, you know, no one ever told me what I was getting into. No one ever explained what it means to have to pay 400 $500 a month when you're also trying, you know, on this loan while you're also trying to pay your rent. So yeah, I think I think it's it's got to be a two-sided approach to educating students as they get into the student loan to begin with. And having parents that understand the situation helps so much because parents certainly have much more of an influence in general than when you go to college for you know, your orientation and you sit through an hour-long explanation of what the student loans mean. But if your parents have been through this and they understand the details at a deeper level, they can certainly help the student through this a lot more.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And and Lance points out that you don't need a college degree to make good money. And we actually have an episode on that coming out fairly soon. So keep an eye on that. We do have an episode coming out about how you can make money without necessarily getting a traditional college degree. But let's jump into this then and talk about what are some of the things you can do if you find yourself unable to make your student loan payments. Like, What are you going to do about it?
0: Well, recently, I mean, until recently, I should say, there, there have been some pretty strong programs to help you, whether it's deferment, forbearance, or uh, income-based mm. repayment plans. But are these all going forward with new administration? I think, uh, you know, Miranda, you work with Student Loan Hero. That's that's your as a company you work for. So you probably have all the latest details on whether these programs are still going forward in the form that they have been for federal loans. Anyway, private loans are, you know, it's a Wild West. Avoid that. But for federal loans.
1: Yeah. So for federal loans, the suggestion in the most recent budget, the recommendation is to actually combine the plans. There are four different Income-based repayment plans offered by the federal government right now, and so it's all about kind of narrowing those. They're hoping to consolidate them into one. So, income-based repayment is probably not going away anytime soon, and so that's something you can do. So, when you sign up for income-driven repayment, when you go to consolidate your student loans, you will be able to find. You'll be able to just get them all, and then your how much you pay is capped. So, it's capped at like ten percent of your income. And so that helps you as far as a monthly payment goes. And then your term, depending on which plan you're on, your term is anywhere from 20 to 25 years. Now, the thing you have to be aware of with these income-driven repayment plans, these income-based repayment plans, is the fact that you could end up owing a lot more than you borrow, right? Because any time you lengthen your loan term and you're paying interest for longer on that large amount of money... It kind of ups what you repay. So you do have to be careful. These plans can be great if you can't make your payments now, because uh, if you don't have much income, then your payment's going to be very low and it can help you with your current cash flow problems, which is great without having you fall into default and you don't want to fall into default, but you do want to speed up your repayment as soon as possible and kind of pay those off because you do not want to be stuck. Uh, because yeah, like I said, these kinds of plans end up, you could end up owing way more and repaying back a huge amount of money.
0: In deferment and forbearance, we want to be pretty clear on what those are. I know that while I was an undergraduate, you know, there's – even if it's not exactly – if it doesn't work exactly the same, we had subsidized and unsubsidized loans, and subsidized meant that at least the – I wouldn't have to worry about accruing interest on those loans while I was in college. And this was – you know, this is 20 years ago. But while you're in school, you can defer your student loan payments. So a lot of people do end up going back to get another degree while they're still dealing with their first student loans, in the hope that they can defer their student loans, get another degree, get a better job, make more money, and then be able to handle the additional bulk of student loans that that they'll receive when they graduate. You know, in the meantime, deferment and forbearance, those are absolutely options that you should look into. In certain in certain periods of your life so that you can hopefully earn a little bit, uh, save your cash flow so you can save money at the same time that you're deferring your student loans.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and that's something you want to consider as well. If you really can't handle it and, and you're having a hardship problem, make sure you do talk to your lender. But it is important that if you do want to be on income-based repayment rather than deferment or forbearance, because one of the nice things about income-based repayment, as our friend Jay Fleischman has said in the past, um, he is a student loan lawyer, uh, he points out that if you're on the income driven repayment, you don't have to worry about, I mean, you're still, you know, consider making your payments, they're on time, and all of that stuff. And so if you decide you want public service loan forgiveness down the road or or some other program, uh, you're not disqualified for it, or you don't wind up pushing back your eligibility. So income driven repayment can really help if you are facing that immediate hardship, you just need to be careful and, and make a plan to move forward and pay down those loans a little bit faster later on.
0: So one of the things that you can do while you're trying to figure out exactly how to handle the your student loan payments is to cut back on expenses. And nobody likes to hear that because it certainly isn't fun and it isn't the way we want to live our life as adults to have to think about cutting back on things that you really like. I know that there was a time when I was struggling with you know student loans on top of credit card debt on top of affording rent on top of a really low income at a nonprofit organization mm. in which and lots of expenses mm. for you know travel and various things that I had to do cutting back expenses was something i just you know there, there was no choice it it just made a lot of sense and i had to figure out a way to make it work so forget forget about cable tv uh, and a lot of people have already done that i mean a lot of people are cutting the cord now and finding ways to watch online but Today, it's even cutting back on those utilities like the internet, um, Mm -hmm. the extra cell phone. Well, not extra, but I mean the extra services that you have with your cell phone. Certainly, a lot of things that we pay for on a month-to-month basis are not necessary. And I know that as a struggling college graduate, I had to cut back on those things. I had to cut back on rent. I mean, for a while, I was living on my own and... That was certainly a big expense, and I moved somewhere to where it was closer to work for a while. I found a roommate that I didn't like, and that didn't really work out all that well. But these are sacrifices that you have to make when you have uh, financial responsibilities and you don't want to damage your future. Uh, You just have to come up with different ways to make it work. And uh, I know that cutting back expenses was huge for me, and it should be something that's on everybody's list.
1: I think the other thing people kind of – Overlook sometimes is that sometimes you just need to make, you can work to make more money. At some point, you cut expenses, you can't do any more. And, you know, if you have room for, I'm going to say it, your favorite word, (laughs) side hustle. (laughs) If you have room for a side hustle in your life, then you can make a little extra money and kind of uh, work toward putting that money toward paying down your student loans or getting yourself in a position where you're a little bit better off.
0: Sure. Yeah, no. I know all about that and I was uh that's exactly what I did as well. While I was saving money, while I was cutting expenses when I was <clears throat> having the most difficulty financially, uh, you know, I looked for ways I could use the skills that I had outside of the 70 hours a week job I was working and uh designed websites for people and this was back when not everybody knew how to design a website, so it's I mean, it doesn't sound very impressive now, but <laughs> back then it was impressive.
1: All you're right. impressed it's yeah. it's super impressive
0: <laughs> so so yeah i mean
1: you're you have coding.
0: use whatever skills that you have to to figure out exactly how you can hustle a little a little bit and make some money and really put that towards reducing that debt so you'll have more flexibility in the future
1: yeah, and it is really important to talk to your lenders, and but you do need to be educated before you go talk to them. Uh, you mentioned the CFPB earlier in this episode, and they recently released a study that found that most of these lenders are not actually providing information to borrowers about the affordable plans that are available to them uh, when it comes to making their payments. So you really do need to be an educated consumer to like, walk in with what you need. And I think one thing that we haven't talked about as well is uh, refinancing and private refinancing. Now, this is not usually a good idea with your federal loans. You lose your protections. But many people, there's a growing number of people who have private student loans, and they might be able to refinance. But there are some pitfalls there as well when you try to refinance.
0: So what are some of the federal protections that you get when you have a federal student loan versus a private student loan? And it may not be clear initially when you're when you're working with student loans, when you're first applying for student loans as to what you're doing. So maybe we got to talk a little bit about that like the FAFSA and really understand exactly what what you're doing when you apply for student loans. It might be too late for a lot of listeners because you know now we're at this position where we're trying to deal with the decisions we made uh, years ago and paying off these student loans, but maybe it'll lead to a better understanding of the types of student loans that are out there.
1: Oh, yeah. So basically most of the protections that come with federal loans are basically this ability to access the income-based repayment, uh, later on, uh, so that if your income is low, then you're only paying a small percentage of your income for student loans, rather than a huge percentage, and then access to other programs that you might be able to take advantage of, like public service loan forgiveness, which it's up in the air, but you know people seem to like it, so maybe it won't be taken away from us. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know some of those kinds of things, and then also access to the forbearance and and deferment hardship programs. Not every private lender has the same hardship programs that you can take advantage of. Being able to do that is important. And so when you're getting ready to apply for student loans, a lot of people immediately uh, go private. There's a lot of these private loans. Uh, I actually talked to somebody in my hometown the other day. He said, oh, my granddaughter is applying for student loans. And she put in student loans. She researched student loans. And one of the first things that came up was an ad for a private lender. And so he asked if this is where she should get her loans. And of course, I was like, no, no. Uh, let's start with the federal student aid site. So you, you want to start out by going to the education department, uh, the government's education department, and going through their website to get your get your student loans. And you can apply filling out the FAFSA. That's the free application for for the student aid it's for the student aid and it's how you how they determine your eligibility for grants and student loans and also work study programs right. so
0: free application for student financial aid like, right yeah something yeah, like that it Fa- yeah. it's
1: the fafsa, FAFSA.
0: <laughs> so what are some of the private student loan companies and and what are they trying to do exactly i know i know i know of sofi um, because i know that they deal with a lot of our financial community you know how how do they work exactly
1: When you're talking about refinancing private student loans, or, well, you can also refinance federal student loans, but it's something you should only do after much, much thought. If you are going to refinance, these refinancers basically look at it and they will look at your credit and they will look at your income. So this is really not an option for you unless you have a good credit score, you have a decent income, or you have a cosigner. You might need a cosigner. And so it's important to understand this that you know when you're going to refinance with a private company that matters more the credit matters more and your income matters more basically they just they give you a loan <laughs> and you can choose which student loans you don't it's not an all or nothing situation and there are several lenders on the student loan hero website you can choose a lender. You can choose. You can pick and choose which student loans you want to refinance. So if you want to keep your federal loans and then refinance your private loans separately, which is actually what I did once a long time ago. <laughs> and <laughs> you can do it separate uh, so that you don't end up mixing them and you really don't want to mix and match. You don't want to put them together unless you have a really compelling reason to do so. And it's probably a good idea to consult with somebody before you make the decision to refinance your student loans.
0: So we haven't talked a lot about saving money on college in the first place because the audience is is a little bit older and we're expecting that most of the people listening have already gone through college and have the student loans and have to deal with them. But For those who might not have uh, done that yet, I think that there's some interesting ways to get that college education while saving some money. And one of the biggest things is spending a year or two going to community college first and then transferring to the school that you're more interested in. And I know that has worked for a lot of people in terms of just the ability to save money while still graduating with a, a degree that they want and with a lot less uh, student loan debt.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. That's a really good thought. And one of the things that I love is I recently wrote an article about Generation Z and how they're approaching college and it's completely different than the way Gen Xers and millennials did, right? Like our generation and millennials, we were just like, go to college, it doesn't matter what it costs, get the loans, it'll be all just fine. You'll make it, you'll make good money and everything will be beautiful. And Gen Z, uh, my son's generation, are actually starting to look at, okay, what is the cost of this education? And can I do this with as little debt as possible? And my son, his main his main top contenders at this point are the university that his, his dad teaches at so that he can go for hmm. practically – not completely free, but practically free. And universities that I attended and that his dad attended that offer legacy scholarships – so that he doesn't have to pay as much. And then finally, the local community college. He's actually looking at that as a place to start. So if if you're not there yet, or if you're planning on going back to school, uh, cost does matter, and it can make a big difference.
0: So uh, I think we covered a lot of information about (laughs) dealing with the student loan payments once you have them. So what are some of the do nows? Let's, Let's wrap this into just a few things that we can suggest that people do now to fix their student loan situation?
1: Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is find out who your student loan servicers are. A lot of people don't even know this information. And it's kind of hard to know, right? Because you've got every year, it's a new loan. Every semester, it's a new disbursement. And so you've got all this information. Well, we'll go ahead and make sure that in our show notes for this, we have this link for you. But if you go to the a National Student Loan Data System, which has all of that federal, your federal student loan. If you go to that website, you can get your credentials, you can sign in, and you can find out who has your student loans and how much you owe. So that's the first thing to do because, uh, as we found out in recent weeks, sometimes the information isn't always accurate that people come at you with. So this will help you figure out where what you owe and where you stand so you can see where you're at.
0: Yeah, the New York Times had an article really recently about the situation that a lot of student loan borrowers are finding themselves in, where they're actually being sued by the companies that think they own the student loans. The situation is very similar to what happened in 2007 and 2008 with the financial meltdown and the recession and the crash. All those mortgages back then got packaged up and sold to different companies, and then different companies would package those up and sell them to different companies. So there's this trail of ownership. And the same thing has gone on with student loans. You don't know who the real owner of your student loan is. You know you're you're making payments to a servicer, but that servicer is working on behalf of, of different companies or even different, not even companies, but different trusts. What has happened is that there are lawsuits against those student loan borrowers who are in default, who haven't made their payments, and then it goes to court, and then it determines that the paper trail was so convoluted that those who are saying that they're the owners of the loan can't prove it, and so those companies end up losing in court to the borrowers. Being able to trace your loan back to who really owns it, it's going to be very difficult sometimes. And really, for most borrowers... Uh, if you are paying on time, the only entity that you have to deal with is the servicer because they're the ones who are billing you and the ones that you have to pay. So in most situations, that's all you have to deal with. But sometimes there are – if if this gets to the point where you're not making your student loan payments, things can get really dicey about how things play out in court. So let's avoid that at all costs.
1: Yeah. I think the next thing to do is find out what programs you are eligible for. So go ahead and check out the Department of of Education site, see if you're eligible for income-driven repayment, find out if maybe you're eligible to enroll in public service loan forgiveness, find out like if you're a teacher, there are programs, if you want to volunteer with AmeriCorps or Peace Corps, find out about those programs because they offer a certain measure of education award benefit that can help you pay down your student loans. So go out there, see what programs you're eligible for, and then start signing up that might help you alleviate some of your cash flow issues and feel a little bit better about your future.
0: Yeah, and the next thing you can do is start the consolidation process. Every every year that you go to college, it's it's a new loan that you take out. You don't take out one loan when you start and then 4 years later you start paying that back. Every year you go to school, you take out a new loan. So you might have for at least four different loans by the time you graduate with a bachelor's degree. And each of those four loans might have different interest rates, different payments. Consolidation really helps to put all of those loans together and and deal with one payment. And it's usually a smaller payment, although it'll be paid off over a longer period of time. As Miranda mentions, the cash flow is important at that age. So that is the primary thing. You can always speed up loan repayment when you have a stronger cash flow through income from working, side hustles, whatever it happens to be, so start that process, start it today after you finish steps one and steps two that we're talking about with these do nows, but get that loan consolidation done if it makes sense for you at least research it, figure out what your savings would be, and if it makes sense, do it and and really, the federal student loan consolidation is going to be your best deal and just be careful if you start dealing with those private student loan consolidators and uh, understand what
1: those companies are really after. And, of course, it's to make a profit. Right. Of course. And we do, have a, we do have a listener question that came in about student loans. And it's not actually about somebody who's having trouble paying student loans. Here, here it is. It says, people keep telling me to pay off my student loans ASAP but i feel comfortable right now do i really need to rush to pay off my student loans so let's 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 hear the debate <laughs>
0: well so the listener feels comfortable with holding on to that debt which you always feel comfortable holding on to debt until suddenly you don't you've got to take a, a pretty analytical approach to this a lot of people just want to get rid of debt as soon as possible because debt is bad but debt is also, if, if, if you are able to take your money and invest it for the future, often you can earn more than you would if you use that money to pay off debt. Because say your, your student loan interest rate is 2.5% and you know that over the long term you can earn a little bit more than that by investing in a stock market mutual fund. Index fund. Yes, I mean, that is all possible, although not everybody can see those kinds of returns when they start to do this for themselves. There's a lot of different things to weigh here. And a lot of people will say, well, if you have a low interest rate on your student loan, there's no need to rush to pay it back. I'm one of
1: those. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
0: The the only thing to remember, though, is unlike credit card debt, which you might also have a low interest rate for, it's possible, or a personal loan or something else. You can't get rid of your student loan in bankruptcy. You cannot eliminate your debt the way you can with other types of consumer debt when you are when you decide that your finances are so bad for whatever reason you have to de- declare bankruptcy. So so that is an important thing to consider if that seems to be a a possibility for you and sometimes it ends up being the reality even if you don't believe it's a possibility for you. So a lot of people will say just get rid of all the debt as quickly as possible so you don't have that hanging over your head and some people will take the mathematical approach and say listen I am being successful at earning mm-hmm. more from investments than I would be you know than I would get the benefit from paying off a student loan debt interest but you know which is in some cases tax deductible so the effective interest rate is a lot low is a little bit lower than what it is on paper due to those taxes. I would, if it is at all possible and within your sights to just pay it off and get rid of it, I would do that right now while you're not struggling because you don't know what's going to happen to your job situation in the future. And you might find yourself uh, struggling at that point. Not everybody's job is as secure as you believe it is. You know, you could be earning $50,000 a year out of college now But if your company's bought out and you're made redundant or laid off, then you're gonna you're you're suddenly those student loans that weren't hurting you before and you put off paying off are gonna hurt you now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's a really good point. And I think in the end, it's it it's what you can sleep at night with. I am one of those people who is not paying off their student loans. Uh, as quickly as, as they, I don't know, maybe should, according to some people. I still have 12 and a half years left on my federal student loans. Uh, but I also uh, graduated in 2005, because I'm old. <laughs> well, well, with my graduate work, I finished my graduate work in 2005. And at the time, interest rates were really low. And I was and it was before we had the direct loan program, there were a lot of situations. The upshot is, is my loan rate, my student loan rate is 1.9%. I feel a little bad sometimes sharing that because it is a very low rate and I see no reason to pay it off early. But as Harlan points out there, if you can't sleep at night because you are worried about what happens tomorrow and what happens with the job and all of that stuff, then by all means rush into it. But in the end, I think it's, you know, what can you handle? What helps you sleep at night?
0: Fantastic. I think, you know, it's, it's definitely a um, nuanced approach and there's no one one size fits all answer to a question like that. And, and that's important to remember as we're dealing with all types of money decisions. So, yeah, I think this is a great discussion. Uh, make sure you subscribe to adulting.tv by going to adulting.tv slash iTunes to sub- subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher as well and any other app that you might have that, for which you use to <laughs> listen to podcasts, just go to adulting.tv to subscribe. And if you have any questions or any suggestions for the future, go to adulting.tv slash ask. And what else am I forgetting? Anything?
1: No, just remember that until next week, remember to act like a grown-up.
0: Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.